the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. Welcome back. It is the third hour of Saturday morning on the Blaze Radio Network. This is a whole new day and a whole new show. And it's officially now, as it is every Saturday at this time, it is the pre-show for the Jeff Fisher program that follows immediately at 9 a.m. Eastern until noon and then the Lawrence Billy Jones show will follow. And then Chris Slater and Joe Pags. It's the whole Saturday lineup. Are you taking us with you? Do you have the iHeartRadio app installed? Because then you can listen to The Blaze all the time, anytime, anywhere. It's a good idea. Go ahead, do it. I double dog dare you. Big news this week in technology. There was big news this week in automotive technology as uh, Volvo announced that they were going to change their entire fleet by 2019 to be all electric. Well, a couple of hybrids in there. But the, the Volvo Motor Company has decided, the Swedes have decided that going forward, that the internal combustion engine just uh, gasoline or, or diesel engines, they're doomed. They're not going to make them. They're going to go all electric. And then, like I said, a couple of hybrids. We were having a discussion this week off air. I have a friend who happens to be very deep in the world of automotive uh, companies. He's, he's a dealer. He's a guy who knows the business inside out. And his first reaction was laughter. And I said, what, what do you mean laughter? Why are you laughing at this? He goes, this is a great idea. But guess what? Uh, you, start, you start making enough cars that you're going to have so many uh, electric cars on the road. You better move pretty damn quick to get charging stations put everywhere. Currently, Tesla has superchargers. Uh, that you, you're allowed to, if you, you've bought a Tesla S, and I think the Tesla X, that's the SUV with the gold wing back doors. If you have one of those cars, you're allowed to use the Tesla superchargers and their network of superchargers across the country. And I think they charge your car in an hour. So if, you, if you're lucky enough to be able to afford a Tesla, which maybe I'll be getting one soon, uh, you can drive your Tesla from coast to coast using the Tesla network superchargers for nothing. And um, you just have to plan your meals around it. See, if, you, if you've got like a 300-mile range and you're driving your Tesla at 60 miles an hour, then every five hours you're going to have to stop and charge up. And you have to spend an hour, whereas pumping gas is a lot, a lot less time-consuming. So it's going to create a dilemma because now if, if you pull up to a Tesla supercharger or even in one of the municipal areas where there's a, a charger and somebody else beats you to it, you've got to wait now, don't you? 
And what, you know, time is of the essence to all of us. So adding another, another few hundred thousand vehicles into the, into the mix could be a problem. It could be a strain on the system. So there is an opportunity here, though, I see, for somebody to come up with a way to create a network of superchargers. And what I, I think is probably the best thing to do is to look at, at creating a, um, a conversion system to take old gas stations and put them as supercharger stations. And, you know, somebody's working on the battery technology, too, to shrink it. Tesla, I believe, is working on a rapid battery exchange terminal where you pull in, you drop out the old battery and slide in a new one. Kind of the way we look at propane. If you go to a, a big box hardware store like Home Depot or Lowe's or in, in many places here, 7-Elevens have the cages outside that hold 10, 20, 30 different preloaded propane tanks. And you go up and you bring the empty and take a new one and you just pay for the propane once you've put the deposit on the tank. The same could be true of the battery technology if they get the batteries into swap out size. But right now, those batteries are a huge weight. And in the case of Tesla, I believe they are underneath the body of the car, which adds to the, um, the lowering of of the center of gravity on Tesla and helps greatly with its drivability. But back to Volvo. The Volvo decision to switch its, its fleet of cars to all electric or electric with a couple of hybrids is one that I think is based both in popular environmental theory and economics. And I know what you're saying. It can't be economics, Mike, because to retrofit a dealership is going to cost a lot of money. My buddy told me he's talked to people at Chevy dealerships and the new Chevy Bolt, which is uh, just coming out now. It's like an SUV that's all electric. It's the follow up to the Volt, the Bolt. Supposed to be a pretty good car, but it's got a 200 mile range. And uh, you have to be able to charge it. But to service the Bolt, every Chevy dealership in the country is going to have to purchase a whole bunch of expensive tools. Let's just put it that way. The baseline tool package starts at about $14,000. And on top of that, very few dealers are going to be getting the Bolts because we know the problem that Chevy had with the Volt. They didn't sell enough of them. So the Bolt's coming out, and uh, I know dealerships here, Chevy dealerships here, that are getting two of them. And yet they're going to have to put up thousands of dollars to have tools to service it. And if you're a Chevy dealer, and someone drives across the country and has a problem with their Bolt, and you don't have the tools, do you think that's going to going to make great confidence in the minds of the consumer? No. Back to Volvo. Volvo will now have to retrofit or refit every one of its dealerships to handle this new fleet of electric vehicles. And still dealing with the hundreds of thousands of old Volvos still on the road 
that have internal combustion engines. The cost is massive. But I kept going back to why. Why, why, why? Why now, Volvo? Why now? It's not exactly a company that, that's on the cutting edge of automobile evolution. It's not a, a company that does all these new and innovative things aside from safety. And I think it has to do with China. China's investment in Volvo is quite substantial. And China wants to get gasoline engines off the streets of its cities quickly. Why? Because of the air pollution problem. So I, I point all of this back to not Sweden and not Volvo as, as a major innovator. I point all of this back to the biggest investor in the, in the company. And that is, this goes all the way back to the same thinking we had with Mercedes-Benz. Why is the Mercedes-Benz called the Mercedes-Benz? Because the guy who wanted to make the biggest investment in the company over a hundred years ago had a daughter named Mercedes. China is driving the shift in Volvo from internal combustion engines to all electric cars because they want their nation to be the first nation that has all these electric cars, and they're also doing it because their air stinks. Now, where are you getting the power? Does anyone remember where we get electric power for all these electric cars and the homes? Yeah, coal-fired power plants, pretty much most of it will happen that way. So China's still going to be burning coal to make the electricity They'll just that uh, will power the battery-powered Volvos and Teslas and Bolts that will be on the streets all around China. But they'll be taking the gasoline engine emissions out of the air. It's an interesting little journey, isn't it? But follow, follow the money always. At the heart of this decision for Volvo isn't necessarily a belief that the rest of the world is going to demand that they get a, an electric car before 2020. But it appears to be China's need to clean up its own air and China being the biggest investor needing to get their hands on more electric cars so you can pretty much make Volvo your exclusive outlet. We'll see if Chevy gets the same pressure from China moving forward. Be an interesting one to watch. Just a little strange sidebar on a day filled with strange sidebars on Pure Opelka. When we get back, I want to get into socialized medicine again, but I want to get into it from the point of uh, common sense. And there are more examples of, of why socialized medicine is the worst thing in the world for people when it comes to care. And it's the most ridiculous thing. Yeah, I know we talked about Charlie Gard. And there's some news on Charlie Gard as well that we'll have to talk about. This is, this is factual proof of why socialized medicine is a gigantic waste of time, money, and a stupid thing for us to even consider. Single payer? No, thank you. But you want proof? You want examples? You want uh, signs of waste and, and abuse of the system? I'll explain next on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. 
This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. Just have uh, a ton of stories to get to. I don't know if I'll get to all of them, but I know I have to get to Maxine Waters before we get out of here. And uh, I talked, I teased the, the discussion of single payer healthcare and the stupidity behind it. As I'm trying to watch everything that's going on overseas, and not much has changed since last night until today. So uh, no real updates, lots of panels on those TV shows, but no real updates. But as I'm going through, combing through the news, I see one of the British papers has a story that says, quote, a million patients a week cannot see a GP, which means general practitioner. And this relates to the National Health Service that England has, the horrible National Health Service. We've seen it in the news lately because the Charlie Gard story, the terrible story, of the baby, the 10-month-old with the, with the terrible mitochondrial problem, and the parents want to bring the child to America for a, for a long shot, but they'll pay for it. But no, because the National Health Service knows better than parents, they're, they're going to stop that. Well, there's some breakthrough on that, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But this story, a million patients a week, and England doesn't have the number of people we have, but even in their Great system. Oh, we have great health care here. Almost one million patients a week are now unable to get appointments with a doctor. This is the worst waiting times on records, according to the figures they keep. Doctors say they're working as, as hard as they can, but it's, it's unsustainable pressure. And they're, they're being forced to limit the time they spend with patients. Oh, that's got to be great care when you're told spend less time. Most people have to wait at least a week to see a general practitioner. Can you imagine if you have an issue? One in five unable to get an appointment. 56% say they now have to wait at least a week. This is a huge spike since just 2012. It's up over 25%. This is amazing. Patients are struggling even to get through on the phone, they say. Patients groups are now starting to fight. They, they are saying that's worsening. The family doctors are, are having to spend less time. Their health is deteriorating. The patient's health is deteriorating. So... What's the problem here? Well, the problem here is single-payer health care, government-controlled health care doesn't work. And you have evidence of it statistically right there from England. And their system is nowhere near the size of our system. So you can only imagine that all of these people, the Bernie Sanders and others who are calling for single-payer, we must have single-payer in America. We have to have single-payer. It's the only way to be fair. To be equitable, but I'll be able to afford my own private doctor because I'm now part of the 1%, the millionaires and billionaires. Single payer doesn't work. And part of it is because it's government run and the government then is forced to be politically correct. And by being politically correct, I mean they're, they are spending resources in areas that 
that are wasting resources that could be used to help these families and the average person who can't even get to see a general practitioner. And what the hell am I talking about? Well, it's all the rage, all the breaking news out of England today that a 21-year-old British man has made history. Yes, this is the headline. 21-year-old British man makes history by giving birth to a baby girl Wait, what? Man has baby, reads headline. British man, 21, makes history by giving birth to baby girl. Oh, that's, how does that, how does that work? 21-year-old man has baby, gives birth to baby. Well, we know it's not a man. We know it's someone that has uh, a uterus and a womb and, and uh, even breasts. This person who identifies as a man, a 21-year-old person named Hayden Cross, had a cesarean section in mid-June and gave birth to a child named Trinity Lee. And now says, I want to be the best dad ever. What? Yeah. We have someone who, since the age of 18, has been on a path to change their gender, identifying as a man, but maintaining all of their parts, partially because this person wanted to give birth. And the, the health program in England supports all this and pays for all of this. The cost of gender reassignment is about 29,000 pounds per patient, including support and surgery. So this this person decided they wanted to change gender but also wanted to have a baby so the national health service was forced to freeze some of this person's eggs in another expensive process so they might be able to harvest those eggs later and have children years later really at least the health chiefs said, hold on, we're not going to freeze those eggs. But they went on paying for the transitioning treatments. In September, this person, this person who identifies as a man who was born as a woman, decided that it was time to get pregnant and did what everybody else would do, right? Go to a sperm bank. No, they looked on the Internet, joined a Facebook group for sperm donors and found one. Now, thankfully, Facebook has shut down this group. But the guy came to the house, passed me the sperm in a pot, and I did it via syringe, says Hayden Cross. This insanity continues. I'll share the rest of it after the break. But you wonder why single-payer doesn't work? What are you spending money on, England? It's not regular people and general care. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. I do love this audience uh, talking about this situation about why why the uh, single payer is such a disaster and and why it's so disturbing to me to see that over a million people a week cannot get uh, even an appointment with the general practitioner. And it's because the National Health Service in England is spending money and time on the wrong things. For example, this this person who was born a woman identifies as a man and has now spent the last several years trying to transition, but also decided she wanted to have a baby. And I use the word she because, yes, women have babies. Mentally, this person sees themselves as a man. Physically, they are a woman with all of the parts. (sighs) Quoted as saying, I was finally starting to become myself and become a man physically, but now my body is going in the opposite direction. Yes, that's what happens when you have a baby. That's what happens when you get pregnant. Do we not understand that this is messed up? Is that the best way I can say it on the radio? I I feel for little Tiffany Lee, who is going to be brought up in this house of confusion. It's just going to be insane. Now, we we do have a person here in America, Thomas Beatty, who also sports a beard and mustache and has a vagina and a womb and gave birth. But to my knowledge, we didn't pay for Thomas Beatty. But in England, they are. In England, they're paying for all of this. It's $30,000 or 30,000 pounds in cost to the government for a female to transition to a male in England. There are, treat, there are hormone suppressors, there are pills, there are surgeries, etc. It's... It's, it's a, a wonder how the government can look in the eyes of someone who's waiting to get to a doctor and say, no, I'm sorry, we have to deliver a vaginoplasty to someone who wants to transition before you can see a doctor and make sure that your general health is okay. It's, it's stunning, isn't it? What are we accepting? When are we standing up and going, hold on a second. Yes, we know that this person doesn't see themselves as the body they were born in, but we're going to pour tens of thousands of dollars into physically changing them. Oh, but wait, they want to have a baby now. So we're going to put that on hold for a while so the national health system can support this and pay for the cesarean because, yes, that had to happen too. Oh, and by the way, because because this person had this baby, got pregnant, had the baby. Guess what else happened? The breasts developed and were holding the milk for the child. 
doesn't want to have, uh, doesn't want to breastfeed, the little baby won't be breastfed because this person hates the breasts, doesn't like them. Talk about denying science. What are we doing? Seriously, what are we doing? I'll tweet out a link to the story. You can tell me if I'm being insensitive. But I look at all the times that we hear from the socialists, all the times that we hear from the progressives. We have to do things for the children. We have to do things for the greater good. You have a million people a week who cannot get to a doctor at the National Health Sister Service in England because you are making sure you delay a woman's transition to a man so you can pay for that person's dream to have a baby and be a good dad. Anyone tell me on what planet and what universe in what society is that sane? It's not. This comes from the same National Health Service that told parents they couldn't have their child back to go and try one last miracle cure. Even though the parents had paid for it, they had raised the money to do it. So tell me once again, anytime you run into one of your liberal friends, and I know, I hope to God you have liberal friends who are crowing about, sing we have to do single payer. It's the only way. No, it's not the only way. It is the road to the end of great health care in America. And we are already about a quarter of the way down that road, if you ask me, and, and we're moving faster every day. More stories like this will come up. More stories like this will happen unless we as a people say enough. Enough is enough. But, but we're not, unless we're brave enough to say there are two genders and then there is the one that is scientifically accepted as confused. But there are two genders and then there's the one that's kind of a, a statistical anomaly. But basically, let's be honest, we have two genders. That's all I'm going to say on that. While I'm on the subject of insanity and craziness, uh, maybe we should get into, maybe we should transition, if you will, into uh, Maxine Waters' territory. Maxine Waters, I know there's a story on The Blaze where she's, she's ranting and raving about something else, but Auntie Max held a town hall, and uh, she went on a little bit of a Trump rampage. A little bit of a Trump rampage. I got to share it with you. Yeah. 
Auntie Max went on to chant, impeach 45, impeach 45, over and over again. And she never once gave evidence of something that could qualify as high crimes and misdemeanors. Never once. But she did talk about a revolution. A revolution. Listen. Wait, what? We've got to resist. She wants a revolution. She wants impeachment without any evidence of high crimes and misdemeanors. But anti-Max also called out President Trump, calling him abnormal and wanting him to be checked for his sanity. Seriously. Here's a real short clip. Every time she ends uh, an appearance by saying, as my millennials have told me, stay woke, I laugh. I, I, it's just craziness. She wants Trump to be checked out to see if he's crazy. I'm guessing we can get a two-for-one deal on that examination, Auntie Max. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Oh boy, I may have done something dumb here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Keith Olbermann said something and I had to respond. And now the Obermaniacs are chasing me through the Internet. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Oh. Keith Olbermann went after Ivanka Trump this morning saying it's outrageous, unacceptable and disqualifying in a democracy. Ludicrous. The other world leaders did not walk out in protest. This was all about Ivanka Trump showing up and talking to the G20 leaders about African migration and health and empowering women. 
and the left has lost its mind that Ivanka Trump. So I just asked Keith, why can't a successful businesswoman earn your respect? Do you have a problem with strong women? Apparently, the other leaders did not. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh. The Obermaniacs are trolling me now. Oh, God forbid. God forbid the Obermaniacs comment to me on Twitter. I just think it's funny. I absolutely think it's funny that we can we can point out to these people that they just can't wrap their heads around a strong woman. Oh, and, and a lot of women are saying she's not elected. She has not passed through a Senate confirmation. She's there talking to a bunch of world leaders and offering suggestions as a strong, successful businesswoman. <sighs> They're saying that uh, qualified individuals were dismissed and not given the chance to be there. Now, there's a lot of times qualified individuals don't get the job because somebody at the top likes the friend or relative of somebody else. Deal with it. Keith Olbermann also had problems yesterday. Keith Olbermann talking about uh, Barack, uh, not Barack Obama, talking about Vladimir Putin and President Trump in their meeting. And Olbermann's uh, bizarre, bizarre notice. Uh, he noticed something really bizarre that I don't think anybody else gave a rat's butt about, but here it is. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson said there was a very clear positive chemistry between the two men. And before they met privately, President Trump expressed optimism. Let's watch that. President Putin and I have been discussing various things and I think it's going very well. We've had some very, very good talks. Uh, we're going to have a talk now and obviously that will continue. But we look forward to a lot of very positive things happening for Russia, for the United States and for everybody concerned. And it's an honor to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Very Thank you. Well, note the manspreading there by the two gentlemen. Anyway, the elf. Manspreading? That's what you notice? That's where Chris Matthews' eyes are going when he's watching the president talk to the president of Russia? Manspreading? Note it. As I get ready to get out of here, I'm looking over the words of the Dalai Lama about the paradox of our age, that we live in bigger houses and have smaller families. We have more conveniences, but seem to have less time. We have more degrees, but less sense, more knowledge, but less judgment, more experts, but more problems, more medicines, less healthiness. We've been to the moon and back, but we have trouble crossing the street to meet our neighbor. We have built more computers to hold more information, to produce more copies than ever, but have less communication. We've become long on quantity, but short on quality. These are times of fast foods, slow digestion, tall men with short character, steep profits with shallow relationships. It's a time when there is much in the window, but nothing in the room. Let's fill the room, my friends. Let's fill the room. Testudo, till Monday. Pure Opelka with Michael Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.